Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Bill Balderas with Fathom Healthcare. This is the episode for the week of June 1st, 2015. In this week's HealthCast, I'm joined by Paul Zablowski, the Senior Vice President of Communication and Image from Texas Health Resources. Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Great. We appreciate you being here. And I, we talked a little bit about your title leading up to the show. And, and first of all, your current title, lots of healthcare systems have a vice president of communications. Nothing new there, but a vice president of image. I, I don't think I know of any other healthcare system that has a vice president of image. What, is, what does that mean exactly? Well, uh, in, in its current state, image has to do really with, uh, with the brand and the vision of the brand and the image of the brand. And so we felt very strongly that incorporating that in, in, the, in the title and in the division structure helps define our role in the organization and how it, it's not so much the brand police, but what is the impact of the brand on the image of this organization within the Dallas-Fort Worth market. So we thought it was... Uh, Great. Now, now I understand, though, you talked about structure and you talk about uh, the role within the organization, but I understand you're you're revamping your structure a little bit. And as part of that, your title is going to change again. So can you tell us tell us about that new structure? Can we talk a little bit about those consumer changes? I, I didn't hear you say titles like, you know, service line manager or, you know, the, the bariatrics program coordinator, some of the titles that we would normally be used to hearing in a healthcare system. So what, what specific changes are you seeing from, and I noticed you're using words like consumers and customers, not patients. Uh, what, what changes are you seeing in that behavior? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I think you would take a step back and say, look at the changes that are taking place 
general right now. Let's say even the family structure, um, you know, um, mixed marriages, people of different races, um, you know, uh, uh, different sorts of religious backgrounds. I read recently that um, something like three in ten children are living with their grandparents today. So, you know, what, what I think is important is to understand what's happening in the country, what's happening in your market. Uh, I often challenge people that, that when I speak around the country, and say, I'll say, what's the most popular car color in your market? Uh, you know, what's, what's the most popular domestic car? What's the most popular imported car? Um, so where are real estate values going up? Why? What's, what's the most popular books in your community? And, and oftentimes, uh, you know, folks don't, don't really know that. And, and the answer is, what value would that bring to you? If, if you knew that in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, the fourth largest market in the U.S., Costco, the number one store, number two is Whole Foods. <laughs> and, and what does that tell you about people who live here, about their attitude and, and perception? Um, there's a great book called The Big Sort, uh, Bill Bishop, and he talks about how Nike has all but abandoned uh, their their traditional market research strategy and are, and are going to strategies where there are like populations that you as an example, where you've got people from all walks of life, all different levels of income, all different races, but they go to the same stores, they vote the same, they drive the same kind of cars, that, that you know, the opportunity of looking more in lifestyle approaches is important. And we've got to do that. You know, we're an enormously powerful service industry, and you hear very little about about that. I think the, the average net promoter score in healthcare across the country is a minus eleven point. Wow, wow. And Amazon is ninety. So that that is that something out of whack there that that doesn't work. And we've got a we've got unbelievable opportunity to to show this country how we can build service experiences around the product. Great. And the net promoter score, negative 11. I know you and I had a chance to speak before this show, and you had some interesting comparisons about you know where, where we all fall as an industry in lines with organizations like the IRS. How that perception get created? Why? What is the explanation as to why patients, consumers, we provide them the most valuable service they ever shop for? Why, why such a negative score? Well, it's, it's a very good question. Don't tell sick not beat out healthcare <laughs> in net promoter school, which is a really bad mistake. I, I, I have been willing to tell my colleagues, uh, you know, in, in, in marketing and communication, which, which has largely been, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Marcom, that, you know, trying to sell the products and services that we have, uh, you know, if we build it, they will come, is a, is a classic mantra in healthcare. And, and because of that, in terms of things like loyalty, you know, we're, we're sandwiched between the tobacco industry and the IRS, which, which is absolutely inappropriate. Uh, there's an enormous opportunity to do that. And I, and I, just, I just think that we have 
Wow. Right. Right. you say things like that and you start you, you sound like a branding guy you sound like an agency guy you sound like an advertising guy a marketing guy i think a lot of our listeners and patients and consumers and people we know the idea was that I, i'm a generation xer and i think of my parents and my grandparents my aunts and uncles brand preference played no role in their choice of healthcare providers they went to the same gp practice that their parents went to if he said go to, you need to go see this heart specialist, you need to go see um, this, this dermatologist. They just went to that person. There was no role for brand preference. In today's world, with, with the shifts in healthcare, with the activity and role that consumers and patients play in their own healthcare, what's the role of brand preference? Is, is brand preference something we all need to be thinking about? I, I think it's critical. I, I think if you look at, at the data and you look at what I mean, I, you know, I, I've been around a while, and you know, I remember when you know, the, the concept of, of systemness even wasn't so favorable. You know, right after the, uh, you know, the, the mid-'80s, uh, you know, was not looked upon favorably. Now, it is. Now, or, uh, uh, individuals, consumers, employers, brokers are looking at, at systems for a variety of high expectations for people. 
So I know some healthcare systems are doing this as yourself. We had um, another speaker from the event in, uh, in Vegas, Paul Gove, was on our show from Piedmont a few weeks ago. He had some similar philosophies, but there's not there's not an abundance of examples in healthcare that have that 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 same spectrum that you're talking about. What are some brands we can look at as healthcare marketers outside of healthcare that you look at and you say? that's someone that can market to a 19-year-old and a 90-year-old and a 40-year-old effectively? Who should we aspire to? And, and, and maybe it's Motel 6 because they're apparently um, kicking our tail on this already, but, but who else? Well, uh, I, I think it's a great question, and I, and I, will, I would answer by saying if, if you're not aggressively looking outside of healthcare for a target market that resembles what you're targeting at, you are missing a tremendous amount of data and information. So I often go to the net promoter source uh, scale. I look at National Research Corporation or other people that are doing it. I, and, and if you look at that scale today, you would see clustered around the 90th, 95, 99 marker. Uh, they're all service companies. They're, they're north they're Yelp, they're Amazon, they're all those companies who understand how to build the loyalty. You know, uh, and, and, and we've got to do the same thing. I mean, why, why wouldn't we on your website if somebody is looking at prostate surgery or, or prostate screening, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the little bubble pop up and say, hey, if you're interested in prostate screening, we also have cancer screening that same day that you can get both done. I, I mean, these are, these are techniques that we can just mimic. We don't have to, we don't have to recreate and, and we can mimic from the very best that are, that are doing this, the, the Nordstrom's and the, and the Amazon. You know, uh, I, I, that's exactly what we do. We go to where those populations are being targeted and we look at how they're being targeted what they're doing and how they're speaking to those individuals and just saying, we, we can do exactly that same thing. You, you mentioned, so those are, those are great examples to look at. So Amazon, for example, I remember uh, showing my age a little bit here. I remember when Amazon launched and the idea was the world's biggest bookstore. And they, they were really inwardly focused. And now Amazon is is who you go to for whatever you want to buy. And your, your dog food shows up every month and your paper towels, and your window cleaner, and you subscribe to things and you watch movies there. And very, very focused on me as the buyer versus Amazon as the company. And it wouldn't be an episode of HealthCast unless we, we make fun of billboards a little bit. But I as I drive around Columbus, Ohio, and, and some of the uh, 315 and our, our busier 
uh, highways here, a lot of the billboards highlight the healthcare uh, services from a perspective of our urgent care is open from from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, or our cancer research was recognized in best hospitals, or our maternity ward provides this type of service at these locations, and it's a what and a how experience. And I know from your presentations, the what and the how is something I think you're on a personal mission to, to address in our marketing. So tell us, what's wrong with the what and how, and what do we move to? So, Paul, I'm, I'm a hospital marketer. I've got $80,000 that I spent last year on buying those billboards with the, the long corridor or the, the 10 tiny toes on the busiest uh, highway in town. 
And now I've, I've listened to this podcast and I said, you know what, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to invest it in the how and I'm going to think about consumer life cycles. And then I say, what do I do with it? So what would you, what would you say to someone? If, if you're going to take money out of that generic, uh, un, unbranded, doesn't resonate with the consumer marketing, consumer mindset, what do I do? What, what do I look for? Well, I would, I would immediately take down all the billboards and stop all the sports marketing and let your competitors have it and let them spend their money on it. And, and then go to your board and say, this is going to be a strategy. We're going to let our competitors spend all their, all their money on the most useful form of marketing known to mankind, zero ROI. And we're going to take a digital strategy and we're going to start to develop one-on-one trackable relationships with specific consumers in specific zip codes with specific kinds of insurances and drive them through a personal relationship into our facilities for those services when they need it. But we're also going to do something different. We're going to, we're going to do some research around orthopedics. And just from a national perspective, the average orthopedic consumer nationally under the age of 50, who's looking to avoid orthopedic surgery at all costs. Hmm. And we're going to get to her, and we're going to start with her, and we're going to do nutrition consults, we're going to do exercise camps, we're going to make her the most knowledge healthcare activist that this community has ever seen. And when it comes time for that invasive surgery if she chooses, or that natural path strategy that she wants to That's that's a great example, and and I can picture that persona in my mind. Is this stuff only relevant? You know, a lot of a lot of healthcare systems we're focusing on seniors, we're focusing on boomers. You describe someone maybe it's more of a Generation Xer. I know this idea that millennials aren't joiners, and millennials are great targets for digital marketing. Does this cross age boundaries? Or if I'm really if I'm in a, an older market, if I'm in uh, you know parts of Phoenix, parts of Florida, where I'm serving an older market, or if I'm providing care where I'm primarily marketing to caregivers who are maybe boomers taking care of seniors. Is this all relevant? Does this still matter? Absolutely. It matters in context. Seniors are one of the fastest growing internet and and social networking groups in the country. Uh, I mean, the fact that seniors can get on and have conversations with their grandchildren across the country has sparked an entirely new vision for them. Um, seniors can sit in their home and, and do research instead of driving around. But it's but it, again, it, it's relative to that population and what they seek and, and how they seek it. We've got a tremendous growth opportunity in seniors that are newly retired who uh, who, who want to maintain good health, who want to have an active lifestyle. You know, it's the concept of well-being uh, of your again your your social health, your spiritual. How is that impacted? And say, looking at, at all these individuals holistically and how they 
about the the rooms and the experience and the care model because I think so many many of us even even great marketers they hear the word brand and they think that's a logo that's your trademark that's your tagline that's your brand the idea of expanding your brand into that full patient experience you have a term I believe you've used it in some of your presentations about a relentlessly relevant brand can you explain what are some of those brands what are the characteristics how does a brand become relentlessly relevant. <laughs> it, it, it's wonderful. So, uh, so, so what, if, what if I said this to you? What if, uh, what if, go back 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and, and you and I are sitting down, and I, 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 I said to you, Bill, here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to liquidate as much cash as you possibly can. I want you to empty your child's uh, college account, and I want you to give it to me because I'm going to build a chain of coffee stores that sell 50 cents cups of coffee for five dollars, and people will line up to come to, to come to it. You know, would you have done it? Uh, and, and the answer, of course, is no. Sure. But look, but look at what look at what's happened. Uh, uh, look, look at uh, even Simon. Talked about you know about Apple, who uh, you know most organizations people know what you do, and, and they generally know how you do it, but very rarely do they know why. And Simon talked about is that Apple computer is, is it electronically maybe that superior to an HP or any other? And the answer is probably not. Now Apple people would argue. But it's the why. They, it, Apple's gotten to the why. You know, it's about changing experience. Steve Jobs said you will never see a cardboard box in an Apple store ever because it's not part. It's not part of the story. Um, and and you know, those, those relentlessly uh, relevant brands are like that. They're constantly reinventing themselves, not changing logos or colors. But constantly being relevant in people's lives. And Starbucks is absolutely relevant today as it was when it started. Nike is absolutely as relevant today as the day that it started. You know, how can we move into that space where we become relevant, we become part of people's 
It's, it's great to hear this vision and you've shared a lot of information. As we wrap up here, you and I, when we spoke, you, you talked about some of these emerging trends. Healthcare is becoming more personalized. The definition of families are changing. Can you get out your crystal ball? Look ahead a year. We are, we're, we're having part two of this conversation. What has changed? What are the trends? How are you reacting differently a year from now than today? Well, I'll answer it a couple of different ways. From, a, from an organization industry perspective, I, I think we are, we are seeing emerging now, and, and there's a lot of a lot of impact in the Affordable Care Act. Employers, uh, employees having more of a financial stake, uh, more skin in the game, as it, as it were. And I think organizations, healthcare organizations, are broadening to take your work both to the right and to the left of the legacy hospital organizations. And they're recognizing that uh, that, that, that's an enormous part of it. Uh, I I think in the past, uh, a hospital or health system's growth strategy has been a growth strategy of input. And that is building beds and filling those beds and then having price extraction payers and employers. I think the future, which is upon us, is hospitals and health systems having a growth strategy of output, where we are developing and building relevant products and services to sell to consumers, brokers, employers, and local governments. And that is our future. That, that, that is a great, that's a great vision, Paul. Is a is a great vision and a, and in something that a vision I don't think we've had shared before on this this program. So thank you for providing that to our listeners. We were joined this week by Paul Zablowski, the senior vice president of communications and image at Texas Health Resources in Arlington, Texas. Paul, thanks so much for joining us this week. My pleasure. And that's it for this week's Healthcast. Once again, I'm Bill Balderas, and thank you for listening. Until next week, remember, don't just live. Live well.